Hey, Glassers. Just like last week, this week's episode was recorded a couple weeks before the recent Black Lives Matter protest began, which is why me and Bria don't talk about it in the episode. This week's topic is all about reading diversely and how to do that without feeling like you're being a creeper. We really want to highlight how important it is to keep pushing for more diversity in your reading life. Publishing is not a diverse space, so of course, pushing for more diversity is going to feel like swimming upstream. It's going to be awkward and uncomfortable, and it's definitely not going to be convenient. And it is so fucking critical that we do it anyway. Uh, we're recording new episodes very soon with lots of great recommendations of books written by Black authors. And yes, in the midst of everything else going on, we did see that J.K. Rowling is exposing her fucking shitty-ass opinions to the world again. We'll also be doing a recommendations episode for Harry Potter read-alikes that aren't written by trash babies. In the meantime, we've already done an episode about what to do when you find out J.K. Rowling uh, or any author that you like is a shitty human being. There's a link in the show notes to that episode. Black lives matter, trans lives matter. There's still links in the show notes on ways to show your support for the Black Lives Matter movement. Bria and I have been protesting and donating and amplifying, and we really hope you join us in doing whatever you can and whatever way you're able to to support this movement and to keep the momentum going. We are committed to doing our part to eradicate racism and bigotry, especially in our little corner of the world, which is reading. Support Black authors, support trans authors, support Black trans authors. And in case none of that was clear, fuck TERFs and fuck racists. Glassers, thank you so much for being a part of our community. You are all fucking wonderful. Now, on to the episode. You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I am... <laughs> Did I throw you off? <laughs> you didn't say filmmaker and it confused me. <laughs> Well, sometimes you, you change yours oh, up I know, and I realize that like... I know, I'm but I just focused. got confused. I got confused. I, <laughs> Who I'm am Bri- I? <laughs> Who knows? I could be anybody. <laughs> and I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about how to read diversely. But first, I said that like, you- it was like five words. <laughs> diversely. Diversely. <laughs> but first, what are you reading, Bria? Well, I just read a little novella that I wanted to talk about because I loved it so very much. I had been meaning to read it for a while, and um, now I did it. Um, it is. It's called. It was called. It is still called. Uh, <laughs> they didn't. They didn't change the name after I was done. Uh, it's called The Atrocities by oh. Jeremy C. Ship. Um, I had read Jeremy's book that I think came out more recently called Bedfellow, which I love. Yes, I remember you really liking this. Yeah, but The Atrocities is, um, it's, <laughs> it takes place in the creepiest house you could possibly imagine. Mallory, this is definitely for you. Creepy house. You love a, an old spooky house. You know I um, love a spooky house. And um, this woman is going to be a teacher um, to a student, uh, to a, to a little girl and, um, she gets there and everything's very weird and strange. And there's these horrible statues in the horrible, like horrific statues in the, on the lawn. And the whole house is very strange. Oh, those are called the atrocities. Um, and, but there are everything. <laughs> Imagine bringing someone to your house. We're like, oh, these are my creepy statues. I these call them the atrocities. The atrocities. But no everything in the house is creepy. Like there's a const- creepy paintings. It's just so wonderful. The whole place is so scary and it's really well um, depicted and um, essentially the teacher, the woman who's there to be a teacher finds out that 
the girl she's supposed to be teaching is a ghost. And that's where where it goes. I read this all in one afternoon. It is a great novella. Um, if you're looking for something spooky, uh, it's great. Uh, begin like, uh, and you can get through it really quickly. I loved it. What are you reading, Mally? Uh, so we still don't have internet at my new apartment, uh, which is on one hand awful because I'm really behind on things, and I'm just like I feel like I'm. I, I told Jeremy recently that it feels like because we just moved in this new place and I haven't like been able to start my new routine yet because we don't have an internet. I, it feels like I am. It's like that time in the middle of the year where it's like between Christmas and New Year's where I'm just like idle. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, not time, like, time ceases, ceases to exist. Which is extra weird because we're still in quarantine. So I've just been, it's very been very weird few weeks. Uh, but the only good part about it is I just, I have literally been reading a book a day. Oh, that's amazing. It's just like a wood chipper. Like I just like put down a book and then like pick up the next one. I just like am <laughs> doing nothing but reading and eating. Um and so I am reading a book that it was funny because uh, later in the episode, we talk about middle grade books. And I thought that this book would be a good one to recommend. And it is not. Uh, it is called The In-Between by Marina Cohen. And it not is, because it's not good, though. No, it's fucking great. But it is dark as fuck. Mm. And we'll get to why why that's a problem later in the episode. Uh, but it's, so it's called The In-Between. It's about these two girls. They're best friends. Um and one of them is moving across the country. So the other best friend is accompanying them on their trip is like the final, not final, but like, oh, uh, like they're, she's going to go spend the summer with them before the school year starts and she has to go back and they're like separated. Um, and they're, they're 11 years old and they end up, they're like, so they're driving through the desert. They're driving to LA and they need to stop for the night and they end up at this like weird inn called the inn between and it's very creepy and like very quickly you realize that like everything is not as it seems at this inn uh but at the same time you're slowly through all these flashbacks realizing that the main character is dealing with uh a tragedy and you find out what happened very like you know in chunks throughout the book and it is like the whole time i'm reading it i was like jeremy Jeremy, oh my God, like it's so dark. It is so dark. Uh, it is amazing. And I've just like been, like been inhaling it, but it is, whew, uh, <laughs> it is, it's awesome. So it's a good spooky middle grade book. So that's The In-Between by Marina Cohen. And mine is The Trusties by Jeremy C. Shipp. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. We got more TBR list feedback. People are very excited about our TBR list episode. Uh, Kimberly wrote in, I wanted to tell you how I use my to be read list. I don't use it as a to do list, but as a curated might be interesting to read list. <laughs> uh, I So I have two, 520 books on my Goodreads. I want to I like read that list. 500 is about our, uh, that seems to be the average of people yes. who, are, who are writing in. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, but Kimberly says, I don't let it stress me out. I see it as a culled down list from all all the books ever. <laughs> Great. Uh, so when I don't, when I don't have a, I want to read book on my mind, I use the list. I use a random number generator. A bunch of people seem to do this. Yeah. I use a random number generator and jump to that place in the list. Then I start scanning and find something interesting that catches my eye. I often call books that are no longer interesting, often from series that hit the reset button at the start of every book. Then I order it from the library if they have it or get a Kindle or audio audible version online. People really like, I find it interesting that so many people seem to have a gigantic Goodreads TBR list and then they use a random number generator to go through it. I could see that though because then you don't have to make the choice and you know you kind of want to read everything on the list so any choice is a good choice. Does that make sense? Yes. It's, it's fascinating to me. Yeah. that I, I would never be for it but also I could see 
the ease of it. It's like if your dinner just arrived every night and you never had to make a choice about what you were eating, it would be like, oh, oh this is pretty nice. Or people who wear the same clothes every day because they don't want to make that choice. So the choice is like made for you, you know? I mean, honestly, I only wear black and I hate cooking. This whole lifestyle sounds great to me. Maybe you need to get a number <laughs> generator. <laughs> they really speak in my language, Bria. <laughs> Uh, Jessica wrote in and said, I love all your segments. <laughs> Thanks, Jessica. But particularly I'm fond of the reader wheelhouse. As I started to formulate my own, however, something weird happened. I couldn't. I've always been a big reader, but before this podcast rekindled my reading habits, there had been a dry spell for several years. I have since forgiven myself for this as per your kind and excellent advice, although it was difficult. But suddenly, I had a mini reader crisis in that I couldn't think of what my adult reading wheelhouse was. At first, I panicked. But as I thought more on it more, this is such an adventure, uh, something else came to mind deep from my memory and nostalgia. I remembered my childhood reader wheelhouse, which was very strong and particular. So while I was... while. So while I'm working on myself and relearning my reading habits, I present to you my childhood reader wheelhouse. I... Love this, Jessica. Yes, this uh, is fascinating. Any book from an animal's perspective. What a child. We, that's so wonderful. Uh, books about friendship between a human and an animal. Horse books. <laughs> <laughs> I am sensing a theme. Uh, <laughs> survival, wilderness survival books. Bonus points for tree houses and deserted islands. There were so many. You remember, I, I feel like we talked about this a while ago. There's so many like middle grade books when we were kids that were like about a kid like stuck in an, in the snow, stuck yeah. in an island, stuck in a cave. There were so many, like, I feel like I had a really inflated fear of being stuck in the wilderness as a child yeah. because of all <laughs> of like, these well, books. I gotta wait till I'm stuck in the wilderness and I know these are all gonna come in handy. Like, you just assume <laughs> it's gonna happen at some point. I would always look around and be like, well, I, what can I, could I, could I use this toy to like dig myself a hole to sleep in? Like, <laughs> very strange. Uh, the Old West, Greek mythology, kid detectives solving mysteries. That's what I feel like most kids love, kids solving things. Uh, <laughs> fantasy books where kids get pulled into magical worlds. Also amazing. Encyclopedias on mytho mythological animals, their habits and where to find them. Amazing. Books in which the main character starts off as a spoiled brat, but then comes around to realize the error of their ways. <laughs> I feel like the the solving mystery thing is definitely on both ends of the spectrum because we love a kid solving a mystery and we love an old lady solving a mystery. Well, that's true. I mean, I feel like a lot of these you might take from your childhood and then you bring them into your adulthood. Like, for example, um, like the Old West or Greek mythology, things like that. Like, Or even the fantasy magical world thing. I mean, adults getting pulled into like that kind of situation. I think that these all kind of like you could you could apply these. And I wonder how many of these go from her childhood to her adulthood. Yeah. Uh, so you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for a newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. Uh, so before we talk about reading diversely, we're going to take a quick break. Picking out the perfect present for your dad is tough, especially if you don't have the luxury that which many of us don't right now of spending Father's Day together in person. Yeah. Father's Day gifts are tough all together. What do you get them? A tie? I don't know. Some gadget? I don't, I really have always had trouble with Father's Day. I'm horrible at gifts, particularly for fathers. And luckily, this, this week's we are sponsored by StoryWorth, who offers a chance to connect with loved ones wherever they are. And it, the great thing about StoryWorth is that this is something that you can get for your dad where you don't have to be there in person and you don't even have to go to the store. There is almost no shopping involved. It is very easy. It's very fast. You can even do it the day before Father's Day, which is 
awesome. It's a great last minute gift, but it is so, so thoughtful and he is going to love it. So y'all know about StoryWorth because we've had them as a sponsor before, but let me just remind you, I'm going to remind you how it works, okay? Every week, StoryWorth emails the family member. You don't have to do your dad. You can do anybody, anybody you want. Um, Different prompts, questions you might never have thought to ask, like um, what have been some of your life's greatest surprises or what's one of the riskiest things that you've ever done? And then after one year, StoryWorth combines them all together and they you pick a photo and they make it into a beautiful keepsake book. And you can order multiple copies of this book if you want. I love StoryWorth. I bought it for my mom. Now I have a book with all of my mom's answers in them, which with is all fantastic. your mom's secrets. All of my mother's secrets. <laughs> and she bought it for every member of her family. She, they all loved it. It's very, very amazing. It's a really wonderful thing. And look, as our family, family members start to get older, there are questions that you may never get to ask them. And I, I don't mean to be morbid, but it is a really wonderful thing to have, have these books and you get to know all about them. It's like their own personal little journal for one year where you get to find out every all the things that you've been wanting to ask them. It's like making your da- mom or your dad or uh, any member of your family write a memoir for you. Exactly. Uh, we actually got this for my boyfriend's mom for Mother's Day this year and she was so excited. And I think the first question she got was like, what what was what's the best piece of advice your mother ever gave you? And it's the kind of thing that you never think to like, you're never like calling up your mom and asking her like deep, thoughtful questions. You know, we talk to Jeremy's parents every week, but we're never like, what's the best advice you ever got in life. You know, we're always like, hey, you're wearing your mask. Like you're not talking about this stuff, but it's stuff that you look back and you actually really want to know. So she was super excited and we were super excited to give it to her. So you can give your dad the most meaningful gift this year with StoryWorth. You can get started right away without the need for shipping by going to storyworth.com slash glasses and you'll get $10 off your first one. So that's, again, there's no shipping. So like you, if you're, it's like the weekend before Father's Day and you're panicking because you can't find something to pick out and, you know, the mail is is wild right now and it takes a really long time for anything to get anywhere. You don't have to worry about it. it it's instantaneous. It's so awesome. So that's storyworth.com slash glasses for $10 off. Storyworth.com slash glasses. Glasses. We are the host of My Brother, My Brother, and Me, and now, nearly 10 years into our podcast, the secret can be revealed. All the clues are in place, and the world's greatest treasure hunt can now begin. Embedded in each episode of My Brother, My Brother, and Me is a micro-clue that will lead you to 14 precious gemstones all around this big, beautiful blue world of ours. So start coming through the episodes. Uh, let's say starting at episode 101 on. Yeah, the early episodes are pretty problematic, so there's no clues in those episodes no no not at all the better ones the good ones clues ahoy listen to every episode repeatedly in sequence laugh if you must but mainly get all the great clues my brother my brother me it's an advice show kind of but a treasure hunt mainly anywhere you find podcasts or treasure maps my brother my brother me the hunt is on This week, we got a fantastic listener problem about reading diversely that we thought merited a longer discussion. So we decided to have a whole episode about it. Charlotte wrote in, 
What are some strategies for diversifying one's reading list without feeling incredibly nosy? I've been trying to diversify my reading and I've been using the Book Riot book tracking spreadsheet. However, I've been struggling to figure out the best way to determine whether authors I'm reading belong to an underrepresented group. I feel like Googling is X queer slash an author of color is super inappropriate and nosy. And while sometimes it's common knowledge that someone is queer or an author of color, unless I've been following an author on social media for a while, done some research on them or see them in a list of authors and underrepresented groups, I don't know how they identify. This is even less useful when I'm browsing at a bookstore or library. So yeah, this is an absolutely fucking awesome question. And we've talked so much on this show about how important it is to read diversely. But now let's talk about the best way to do that without feeling like a fucking creep. (laughs) Man, I just have to say Charlotte is like the neighbor you want. Because Charlotte is very concerned about being nosy. And it's just like, that is the exact neighbor that like, you know, who you're, you, you're like, oh, I'm just going to run outside and grab the newspaper in my underwear. And if Charlotte saw, saw you, Charlotte would like close her eyes or something. You know what I mean? Like Charlotte would make sure that, uh, that you're. Oh, yeah. Charlotte's going to feed your house, is going to water your plants while you're away. She's not going to yeah. tell anybody about the weird music you listen to in the middle of the night. Yeah. She, Charlotte's keeping all of your secrets, but also like just like not being nosy. Like Charlotte won't ask you, like, you know, your boyfriend is moving out or something and Charlotte won't be like, what happened? Charlotte will just be like, can I offer you some cookies? Like Charlotte, Charlotte's going to bring you a bottle of nosy. wine and be like, drink this. No and well, and it's not asked. asking you inappropriate questions. It's wonderful. Um, so Mallory, how, how, what, tell me the first step that you did for this. Cause you did something great. All right. So first off, I do want to acknowledge you and I are not part of any marginalized groups. I mean, yes, we are female. Uh, but, and so instead of, uh, just having two white ladies talk to talk to you about how to read diversely. Uh, what I did is I reached out and talked to some authors that I know that consider themselves diverse. And that's like one of the things I did was make sure that these are authors that, that would consider themselves diverse. Um, I think it's really important not to do that thing where you're like, you're a person of color, so you must speak for everybody. Do some work for me. Mm-hmm. I, 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 The people I spoke to volunteered their time, and I'm very immensely grateful for it. And they had some wonderful advice, and it boils down to a couple of things. One uh, is if a diverse author wants that information to be known to readers, whether they're trans or they're disabled or they're a person of color or whatever underrepresented group they belong to, they're going to make that information readily available. Whether whether that's including it in their social media profile, uh, the bio on their website, or just identifying and participating in those kinds of conversations online. If including their diversity in their author profile is important to them, they're going to make it known. Uh, and we, especially those who have a lot of privilege, like me and Bria do, we have to remember that a lot of those types of identities are not always safe to have. So if an author wants to keep that shit private, it's their fucking right. Like you don't, they, they don't owe it to anybody, you know? Yeah. Um, in addition to like social media stuff, um, there's a lot of interviews and blogs for this type of thing I, that I often use um, as a great source of information because it's coming right out of the author's mouth. Uh, hopefully everything has been transcribed correctly. And uh, I, I, you know, of course it is the internet, so everything you have to take with a grain of salt. But I like it when there is a folk, when there's a conversation and the author is sharing that information themselves. Um, it's a good way to find out how they self-identify because, you know, they will talk about that in interviews and you know it to be true unless someone fakes an interview. Let's hope that's not happening. It does. I'm sure there's crazier things happening on the World Wide Web. But for the most part, interviews, I feel like, are a great place. Yes. Uh, and so, and also, 
Second, that all that being said, you should not ever feel creepy or weird for looking it up. It is fantastic that you want to read diversely, that you want to be a better literary citizen. And so you should not feel strange for saying, you know what, I want to read more trans authors. And, you know, looking that information up, whether it's on a site that made a list of great books by trans authors or an author's Twitter borrow, that is totally okay. It's not like you're like sitting in the bushes under their windows, listening to their phone conversations, <laughs> like trying to find out all their creep or their secrets. You know, you're looking up, public information you know maybe scrolling three years deep in their instagram that's a little bit creepy but looking at their website isn't you know it's not like you're doing it for nefarious purposes like if you just want to make sure that you are not only reading more diversely but you're making sure you're supporting more of a more diverse group of authors that is great you know you are not a creep for doing that and bria so do you how do you deal with this reader issue um, well, you know, it's weird. I mean, not weird, but one of the first things I do when reading a book uh, on the Kindle is that I can open it up and I can read the about the author page. And sometimes that information is in there in those bios. I was wondering after writing about this is uh, who makes those bios? I assume the publisher. The publisher. The, yeah. Um, the way that it works is you, at least with my publisher, again, every publisher is different, but I submit a bio and they're like, okay, cool. And then like they put it in the book. Yeah. Um, I... I, I find that that is helpful and you can find some information there and you can be more aware about who and, and what you're, who, who you're reading uh, by reading that at the very beginning of the book. And it's right there provided in your Kindle and it is a 10 second read. It's usually like so small. Um, I also, um, I think like because I get a lot of recommendations from places that really value diversity like uh, Book Riot or Professional Book Nerds, um, they're going to be very, they're going to talk about who wrote the books. So that is really helpful as well because um, if you're getting like, you know, if you're listening to Book Riot, they're probably going to say like, this is a trans author writing about trans issues. And, you know, I can make a note of that or remember that when I am picking that book up. So that's, that's, those are two ways that I sort of like try to pay attention to this. But I also will do some research sometimes and it's funny because we will do shows and we're like oh let's read about let's read a book by you know uh, a, a trans author or something and I'll go back and be like I'm not I'm not sure if some of these were written by trans authors and I learn a lot and I realize I probably don't even look it up as often as I should uh, to find out who I am reading um what about you well I was just gonna say remember um I'm not gonna say the name of the book but or at least you can cut that out but remember there was a book we both read last year and it had a black protagonist, but the author was not black. Right. Like you can't like, just because uh, the characters in a book are diverse in some way, doesn't necessarily mean that the author is. So, I mean, while it's amazing to read books with a, with like a diverse array of protagonists, it's also good to like support, you know, those types of authors, you know, to make sure that more like they, a, they can pay their bills, but also, you know, showing publishers that, you know, like th those kinds of authors can make money. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I deal with this all the time. It's absolutely part of the challenge of reading diversely. Uh, you know, especially me and, and you, Bria, you know, we have, I, I think some kind of responsibility as two people with a platform in the the reading world to, to read diversely and to recommend diversely. And I think we do a, I, we do our best at it. Um, I, definitely usually check out an author's Twitter, Twitter bio, or, um, if I'm looking for re recommendations, I'll just like Google author or book list. Um, 
someday we'll be able to hopefully live in a world where we won't have to push so hard to support authors that have a harder time getting their books out in the world. But we're not there yet. Uh, until then, it is fine and absolutely not creepy at all to do a little research to make sure you're reading your diverse group of authors. Trust me, they appreciate the support. Like speaking as like a female author, I am always happy to find myself or my book on lists about more women authors, you know, not authors, not all authors feel that way. And this is why some authors choose not to, uh, include certain information about themselves in their bio because they don't want to be pigeonholed into a type of book. And that is absolutely fucking fine. Uh, but all you can do is your best. No one's going to think you're a bad person for trying to buy books. Trust me. Um, also, I don't know if you do this, Bria, but I always want to know who's writing a book. Like if I'm reading a book, I'm always like, who wrote this fucking thing? You yeah. Know? Like even no matter what, I'm just, I'm always just curious. Like, and again, I'm not like, I don't want to like sneak in their house and see what the kind of underwear they wear and what kind of snacks no. they eat. Like, but, <laughs> but you but don't want to like picture them at their desk doing a bit of writing, yeah. you know, in front of like a window pane where the rain is hitting it and they're like, <laughs> they're writing their book and you're like, oh yeah, that's what they're what they're like when they're writing their book. Not necessarily, but you do, you do kind of just want to know, like, what is this person? Also, like, in part, I mean, I'm also looking to see, like, what else they've written. Is this their first book, second book, third book? Like, yeah. there's a lot of things I want to know and, uh, and, and whether, and, and these things fall into those categories. And, uh, that's not creepy at all. Uh, also, I just want to give a special shout out to an author I know, Nishta J. Mara. Uh, she is the writer of the amazing memoir, Brown, White, Black. Uh, she took some extra time and care talking to me about this and gave me some really great thoughts. And I really, really appreciate it. Uh, please buy her book. It is so good. It is called Brown, White, Black. It's a memoir of her life. So her white wife is white and their adopted daughter is black and it's all about how their family deals with america's ideas of race and gender and sexuality and like the joy they have but also the struggles they have it is so fucking good it is amazing it's like one of those like i'm gonna read it in one sitting books uh it is great and again just i think the rule a good rule with this sort of stuff is if you are trying to do a good thing you're generally gonna be fine you know, you're, uh, I wouldn't worry. You know, it's the, one of those things where if Charlotte is the, the, this kind of person and we know that she is and that she's worried about making sure that she's not being a creep, you're probably fine. Yeah, that, exactly. Charlotte's not asking someone like what she's not going, she's not trying to find out some like information that isn't out there. And I think that she's that's not like, the give me your social about. security number. Yeah, she's, she's like, like <laughs> or like, what is in your underwear? I need to know what your genitalia is. Like, she's not asking these questions. She's asking the question of like, what is that, what these people identify as. Yeah, cause so so she can support them better, and that is fucking great. And we really, really, uh, obviously, that is something that we support, and is really important to us on reading glasses. And again, it's always important to remember why you're doing this, you know. And it's all about making our world a little bit less shitty. <laughs> so send you can send your thoughts to readingglassespodcast at gmail .com. And before we talk about some book tech, we're gonna take a quick break. Hi, I'm James, host of Minority Corner, which is a podcast that's all about intersectionality. It's hosted by James with a guest host every week. Discussing all sorts of wonderful issues, nerdy and political. Pop culture. Black, queer, feminism. Race, sexuality. News. You're going to learn your history, their self-empowerment, and it's told by what feels like your best friend. Why should someone listen to Minority Corner? Why not? Oh my God, free stuff. There's not free stuff. The listeners of Minority Corner will enjoy some necessary LOLs, but 
mainly a look at what's happening in our world through a colorful lens. People will get the perspective of marginalized communities. I feel heard, I feel seen. Like you said, you need to understand how to be more proactive in your community, and this is a great way to get started. Join us every Friday on Max Fun or wherever you get your podcast. Minority, Minority Corner, Corner, because, because together, together we're the majority. majority. So it's time to look at some book tech advances and bookish technology. Megan writes in with a book tech problem. We've been getting a lot of these lately, a lot of book tech issues. Mm. Um, Megan says, I use Libby for my local library. Library is plural, actually, since I also work at this university. However, since I live in a small town in Alabama, the budgets for these libraries are smaller and the book selection is not very comprehensive. Are there any other online libraries you know about that can be, we can become members of uh, to have access to more books if we live in smaller areas. I feel like I miss out on so many opportunities and since it is expensive to buy books, I end up not getting to read many books on my to-read list. Help. P.S. I went to high school with Bria. J. Marshall High School. You actually were my older brother's age. Seth Lockwood. <laughs> Do you remember yeah, that, Seth Lockwood? That, that is wild. I don't know why there's a J because there is no J... Jay Marshall. It's just Marshall High School. First of all, um, hi, hi to Seth Lockwood and, and Megan, possibly Lockwood, Me- Megan. Um, I have to say um, it, it, it was my, someone uh, from my high school texted me this week and said, do you know this would have been your, uh, he's a little younger than me or old, older, younger. Uh, anyway, he said it would have been my uh, 20th high school reunion this weekend. Wow. Isn't that crazy? I Did they do like, anything? That was so recent. Uh, but that was a long ass time ago now that I'm. Uh, did, did they, no, do, no, did they throw a reunion? No, because of COVID. Oh, yeah. And Mallory, you want to know something really sad? I wasn't invited to my tenure. <laughs> You're the most famous person in your high school. You should be the guest of honor. Uh, I think it was on. I think they invited people on Facebook and I wasn't on Facebook at the time. I'm still not on Facebook. I'm not on Facebook anymore. But I think at the time I was like taking a break. It was like I was on Facebook and I was off and on it. I think I wasn't on it. I think that's what happened. But actually, I have no idea. I have no idea why I didn't get invited. But um, Seth Lockwood from my high school, maybe you should tell them. (laughs) If it makes you feel better, I didn't get invited to my 10 year high school reunion and I am on Facebook. Well, I don't know if they I don't know if they, they did anything. Aren't reunions just Facebook now? Yeah. Like, I mean, what do you need to know that's not on Facebook? Although I kind of, I I missed, I was hoping for my like Romy and Michelle's moment where I could like sweep back into Massachusetts. You're going to tell people you invented post-it notes. Yeah. I'll come up with something weirder. Like uh, I invented the paperclip. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I don't know why it's always office supplies. Um, But anyway, Megan, we did some research and we can help you. (laughs) Um, So... There's two things. One, there is a list current as of March 2020 uh, of libraries that you can access for a fee. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes, uh, for example. So you can become a a member of the Brooklyn Public Library for 50 bucks a year uh, or the Houston Public Library for $40 a year. That's a Uh, fucking good deal, by the way. It is a good deal. It's basically like a book subscription service. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it totally is. I mean, you may have to wait for some shit, but I, I think it's a, it's a really good deal. And yeah, think about it. That's scrimmed. like two books, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also I will point out for some of the listeners that we have outside the U.S., some of these do work if you're outside the U.S. So if you are, no matter what country you're living, if you want access to some of these libraries, you should check it out. Um, I will put, again, I'll put the link in the show notes, but it's definitely worth checking out. 
Um, also, there are libraries that will give you access no matter where you are in the state. So um, what you need to do is contact your local library and see if they have any sister libraries or library systems that will grant you access. Um, basically, this is, again, call your lovely librarian and they can pay- maybe help you with this. Um, there are a lot of library systems that will grant you access as long as you're a resident of that state, even if you don't live in the city or the town. So um, call, call your librarian. They may be able to help you with this, but otherwise, man, Brooklyn Public Library, that sounds like a good one. Just join that. Our, yeah. I don't know what Los Angeles is, but ours is great. Amazing. Uh, so if you want us to look at some book tech uh, or test it out or solve your book tech problem, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Or if you want to check out our Amazon wish list, there is some really ridiculous book tech stuff on there. God, I'm really hoping somebody buys those squishy fingertip like covers for eating snacks with. I was just thinking about them today because I was eating some smart food popcorn and I was like, man, I really want someone to get those for us. I'm so desperate to test them out because Jeremy was making fun of me because I was eating my smart food with a with chopsticks, but they're so hard to eat with chopsticks. And I kept dropping it on the floor and the cats were eating them and he was like, babe, <laughs> just, you can use your hands. Just, yeah, use, just your use your hands. hands. And I was like, no, hands. I have to read my book. Uh, so now let's answer a recommendation request. Sasha writes in, my foster sibling is six years old and is just now learning to read. Before bed each night, they read us one of their little beginner books and then an adult will read a chapter of a more advanced children's book to them. Very cute. But we've run into the issue that while they love adventure stories, depictions of kids who are abused, neglected, or are orphans give my sibling nightmares. And looking over the shelf of books my brother and I love growing up, kids from healthy, stable families don't seem to go on very many adventures. Uh, would y'all or any... I always feel like you should read the y'all ones. Would y'all or any listeners have recommendations for exciting books for young children where the adults are at least decent or otherwise not mentioned? This was so hard, Bria. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so hard. I actually went to the Twitterverse today because I was like, I was having trouble and I, I texted some friends. Um, I think this person, I think they are right. Uh, Sasha is right. There are so, apparently, adventures are really just for, for kids without parents. <laughs> It's the it's Super the it's the trade off, you know. You, I like, know. I actually thought about this a lot when I was a kid because because I, I like you know did not grow up in a happy home, and I was like, well, if things are tough, but at least it might mean I might get taken off to a magical world. Yeah, and you know what? Because I had two parents growing up, I always thought to myself that um, I could never be a Disney princess because oh, Disney princesses <laughs> always had like a like a deceased father or something like, or they yes. were always like, yep. Um, so my first instinct here was the Colin Malloy book, Wildwood. Um, definitely an adventure, but the main character gets kidnapped by crows, which is sort of, I mean, that's a, it it is, it is a little, it's a kidnapping. So I, I'm not sure if that works. Um, my friend, I went out to a friend, um, he recommended, his children actually recommended to me, um, the Carmen Sandiego books. I never read those. Uh, I didn't either. Um, Lady in a hat having an adventure. Um, She's accompanied by two children. Um, I will make a list of these because I got a lot from book Twitter. Um, I will say someone suggested... a lot of comic books were suggested, but I feel like that's not quite what this what Sasha's looking for. Um, my friends' kids also just suggested Wings of Fire, and they said it was not scary. But I looked it up, and there is it's about dragons. All the characters are dragons, and uh, there's a dragon parent death. So, oh gosh, every apparently it's like very hard. Um, anyway, the books that were recommended all. Uh, Many times on Twitter were the Magic Treehouse books and the Great Brain books, which I've not read either. I have um, not heard heard of either of these. 
Arlo Finch was also recommended and a few more. And I will put these on our blog because um, I haven't been able to check them. So Sasha may have to do some checking. And some of them I had a lot of trouble finding um, uh, descriptions of what the book's plots were about. But I will we'll, we'll list all of them. Um, Wild Robot series, the Jupiter Pirates. There's, a, there's definitely a few. But the Great Brain series and the Magic Treehouse books seem to be the ones that people recommended and thought would work. What did, what did you find? Yeah, this one was wicked tough. Um, this is funny. so weird. <laughs> it is so weird. Uh, well, it's funny because I was, I'm reading this really dark middle grade book. And so we moved into this new place and we got a bookcase that's actually just specifically for our middle grade and YA. I have, a, uh, I have some YA, but Jeremy has a fuckload of YA and a fuckload of middle grade. Um, so I'm like putting this episode together and I was like, oh, this is no problem. And I like went over to our bookcase and I looked through the middle grade books and I was like, fuck, all of them are dark as hell. These yeah. are all, uh, it was just like death, 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 parent, death, death. Like it was, I was like, whole, it, these are darker than well, my I adult told you books. My, my theory about this is that I oh, think yes. adults are writing these books about kids, right? The kids are not writing the books. Mm-hmm. And we're like, what is the thing that would set the kid off on an adventure or really like change this kid's life right at the beginning or make this kid want to go on an adventure and we center it around ourselves. So we're like, oh, this kid lost an adult. They lost me. And that, yes. that's my theory is that, it definitely the, the, that is we centered easiest, it around ourselves. It's the easiest way to bring conflict. It's either you're being bullied or something's wrong with your parents. Like I was actually looking at some of them. Most of the ones that I that I was thinking about recommending that are middle grade uh, that didn't have any parent death or about divorce. There's so many mm-hmm. divorce books. Um, but I think it's just parents. I think it's just adults bringing themselves into these kids books when they're away. There are a lot of cat kid problems that probably we are not covering. I know. I don't know. We should, kids should write their own books. <laughs> uh, luckily, uh, Jeremy had one that I think fits the bill. It actually sounds really good. I want to read it. It's called uh, Where the Mountain Meets the Moon by Grace Lynn. Uh, and the parent, I checked, uh, I, I pulled a Bria and I did some spoilers for this book. I read the entire summary. The parents stay alive throughout the whole book. Uh, they love their daughter, the main character. They are, they are wicked poor. And the main character ends up going on this magical adventure where she interacts with a lot of magical creatures and a lot of magical things to like help them and help her family get out of this poverty. Um, it's actually like from what I was reading online, it's sort of like a middle grade classic. Uh, definitely worth checking out. We'll put a link to the show notes, but it seemed like... She lives in this village and her parents are really poor and she like this magical thing happens and her parents are are mad about it because they're like, you need to focus on like getting money and food, not like magical things. And she ends up going on this magical adventure anyway and it ends up good things happen, but it seemed like the a good way to go, luckily. And I also Jeremy recommended Stuart Little, which I never read. I don't remember the plot. I, I it's feel a little, like I read it, but I don't know. What, what blows my mind is he was telling me in the, the the book and the movie are different, but apparently in the book, like the these this couple, this like straight couple, give birth to this mouse baby, this little mouse yeah, boy. I think that's right. Because in the movie, they just adopt him, but in the book, apparently, like he's just their son. And I'm just like, hold the phone, like this. <laughs> she Sometimes gave you give birth. physical birth to what a, a I mean, non. Uh, intrusive birth. You're That's just giving I mean. it's a like, baby mouse is smaller than a tampon. Yeah. Like, oh, do you think he's born a baby? I guess he was born a baby. I was thinking a full grown mouse. Either way, not obtrusive. It would be terrifying if a lie. What was that book that you read where this lady was giving birth to rabbits? Like, oh yeah, if the ra- fully the formed queen. live mouse came out. You would be terrified. Yeah. 
But I would mm-hmm. like, I just like, how did the, what did the, wouldn't the husband be like, did you fuck a mouse? Like, <laughs> I would not assume if, if like my partner gave birth to a live rodent, I would not, as, I would assume something else is happening. I wouldn't assume it was because of sex with a rodent. I would assume it was like, you have been cursed or something. Like a curse happened. Is it like a Jesus situation where it's like immaculate mouse conception happened? Like, yeah, I would assume something like that. And then the mouse, you that mouse the, is Jesus, I guess. You have been blessed by the mouse god and you have immaculately conceived a baby mouse. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I was like, why is the book not about that? Like, uh, that's the crazy <laughs> thing to me. Is this, is this book about I like this, that. You write, you go back and write like the book from the wife's perspective where she's like, I woke up today. It's like they're, they're really burying the lead here. It's like this little baby mouse who can speak English and it's like has also, these mouse adventures. But can we talk about the, how this happened? Did she like, ever what look the fuck? pregnant? Did she look pregnant? I don't. I, now I have to read it. And apparently in the movie, they adopt him. Like they go to the orphanage. Yeah, and- that makes sense. Whoever, whatever... Whoever wrote the movie, whoever wrote the movie, they were like, 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 well, you can't have this lady give birth to a mouse. Let's figure out something else. Even the other side of it. Imagine you're in an orphanage and you're like, baby, baby, live mouse. And being like, ooh, I want this mouse. (laughs) Because that's a good point. I don't know. I want this show tells you a lot about the parents. speaking mouse. Like, I I guess. If there was a mouse that spoke English, I think I would want that mouse. I guess like I it was just like I was imagining like us me and Jeremy like going to an orphanage and finding Sailor and Lular cats just like in adopting yeah. that like it's just okay there's a lot of questions here that Stuart Little is not answering for me but apparently parents stay alive in the book they just uh can immaculately conceive mice babies mm-hmm. and it's just mm-hmm. about his like adventures being a little mouse man so sounds, I sounds cute I I don't I feel like I read it but I don't remember it uh, so if people have recommendations for middle grade books with no parent death, kid kidnapping, anything dark, and I, I even Googled like lighthearted middle grade books and there was just mostly like, do you want a book about fart jokes? And I was like, no, Google, <laughs> give me a lighthearted book about. And you're like, yes, but for some other reason, not yeah. for this. <laughs> Uh, so if you have recommendations for Sasha, uh, you can always send them to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy and Jessica who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel and moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, if you want to support us and look cool while doing so, you can buy reading glasses, tote bags and shirts and bookmarks and stickers in the Maximum Fun store. There's a link in the show notes. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's free. It makes us feel nice about ourselves. It does not take that much time. We are very close to a thousand reviews. I'm very excited about it. Uh, you can read it, email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Reading Podcast, on Instagram at Reading Glasses Podcast. And you can always follow along on our bookshit ventures using the general hashtag Reading Glasses Podcast. Thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for reading. For reading.